divorced? Anyone divorced here? Yes, come on. You know, yeah, look at you, thumbs up. There's always like one of two reactions when you tell people you're divorced. Either it's envious, oh, I'm not there yet. How does it feel? Sometimes I just stare at him and I want to feed him his pillow. And there's like the really empathetic, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, you know, you'll find someone. You will. I mean, they're going to have baggage because you know, at your age, they all have baggage. But you got to be able to find someone with a pulse. You know? It's Michelle Trainer. Her show, Divorce Diaries, it's a one-woman show. She's been touring uh, across the country for several years here. And she's my guest today here on the Check Your Brain podcast with me, Tony Mazur. Thank you for listening. Hope you've subscribed if you enjoy this. And it, whether you have subscribed to my weekly podcast uh, here on whatever platform you're listening to me on, or on my Patreon at patreon.com slash Tony T-O-N-Y. M-A-Z-U-R. You get early access to guests and extra podcasts per week. Just five bucks a month if you want to subscribe. But again, yes, Michelle Traina, my guest today with her show Divorce Diaries. We get into talking about, well, her divorce and kind of what what it takes to put together a one-woman show about something that is as traumatic and uh, just, I guess, in some ways a little taboo still. A lot of people will do will find the humor in it. Some people won't, but it's not for everybody. Just like humor, not everything is going to be funny for everybody. So it's very relatable, a show for people who have been affected or in you know, whether personally or in an indirect way. So it's a it's a really interesting concept, and she's been touring across the country with it. So uh, she was coming to my area where I'm broadcasting from when we recorded this, and uh, I want you to you know, I hope you enjoy this. It's a fun conversation. It's lively. It's funny in some ways, and I I inject myself in it a couple of times too, because I, though I haven't been divorced, I've also had some interesting dating stories that I bring up on my. Uh, in, in my comedy sets as well. So hope you enjoy this uh, conversation. Uh, Divorce Diaries, Michelle Traina is her name, and she is my guest today here on the Check Your Brain podcast. I, I got to ask because just like, Whenever I think of creative things I want to do, so I launched this podcast that I've been doing during the pandemic because I was I was really I was starting to get bottled up with emotion. Like one day oh, I'm yeah. like I got peaks and valleys, and I'm like I got to do something creative. Even if everybody mm-hmm. has a podcast, it seems nowadays or a live stream. Absolutely. But it was like my God, I got to do something that before I go insane. And so I, I started doing this, and it's been pretty cathartic. How has this been for you? I mean, you know, we talk about divorce diaries, and is this has this been helpful for your mental health? Has it been something that you've been really thinking two or three different times more than what you would normally do? Like, uh, talk about your process during this whole thing. Yeah, so I, it's a great question. I have been doing divorce diaries since I believe 2015 I started writing it, and I left my, I was, I was a full-time actor when I was, you know, in my early 20s till I got married. Then I started teaching full-time to kind of be at home and raise a family, that kind of thing. 
And when I got divorced, I started doing stand-up and going back to performing. And right as the pandemic, like right three months, four months before the pandemic hit, I left my teaching job <laughs> to pursue divorce diaries full-time because it was getting booked in uh, their venues. I was picking up speed. Um, and literally, I got back from being on the road, and a month later, the pandemic hit. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> because... I just left a full-time teaching position that was quote unquote financially stable as some may think, but mentally it was not what my, where my heart was. So for me, divorce diaries has absolutely been not just cathartic, but the, the fuel that keeps me going. Yeah. That's what's interesting about this because whenever, when the comedy club shut down for me, because I, I've been able to keep a job during the whole time. I have my day job and haven't missed a paycheck with that. But as far as stand-up, I get a lot of people saying like, oh, you probably have a ton of material that you wrote down. I'm like, no, not at all. I've barely picked up anything because it seemed like I would do a lot of my writing when I'm pressed and when I need material. But when I have all this time off, I get lazy. That's just you know, I don't know if it's a learning disability that I have, but it was no, one of those. It was like one of those Not cases everybody. where I have all this time, but I'm doing it watching Netflix and and getting lazy or f going out for a run or doing something else. And it was, I'm like, I, I really have no material. And the only time I really was writing material was like the week of one of my first gigs coming back. So. Uh... I think that you have a, that's a common theme with a lot of performers because we are extroverted. I mean, some of us are introverted too, but you know, I, I struggled with, I can't be in front of a crowd and I can't be in front of, you know, I was always either in a classroom or on stage. And I think those two hats go hand in hand as a teacher, you're always trying to engage, you're always trying to captivate and same as a performer. So for both of those to kind of be removed and have to figure it out virtually and how to connect virtually, it was a definite shift. I think that we are fortunate to have the internet and social media where we can create content and engage audiences on a different level, which is what helped me and helped me grow my brand. Um, but you're definitely not lazy for feeling what that way, because I think there's so many of us that felt like, what do I do? How do I get motivated? It was, it's it seriously was just, it, it was demoralizing, and I, and and we'll get back to you talking about uh, just putting this together and continuing that because it is, it was definitely a time of of reflection. So there was a lot of reflection, but it didn't go into actually writing material. And then when I would pick uh, uh, have a piece of paper out or I'd try to type something out. It, would, it wasn't representative of who I wanted to be as a comic. It was just, it was almost like an angrier version because I'm like, I can't go on stage. I can't go to the gym. I can't yeah. do this. I can't see my friends. And, and, and I can't even imagine what it was like for you because I don't have kids. I, I, what I was doing at the time was planning a wedding, but I didn't yeah. have kids. So you're balancing out all of this, especially where you're going, you're basically changing careers and the cords just you know, the rugs just pulled out from under you. Right. And I, uh, I think that you, things happen for reasons. Obviously we always say that the universe does things for a reason. The universe takes care of it. I think that ultimately if you want to do something, you, you'll fight tooth and nail to do it. Especially like for me, I found ways to make money with divorce diaries with my theater. I have a theater company called Prop Box Players that I perform for children and, inclusion audiences and and i found a way to do it 
And I think that there's always that mentality of like figuring it out and allowing yourself to feel anxious and upset and, you know, frustrated because it's just natural. And then I think that the comedy comes from frustration. Your, your best comedy can come from the truth, obviously. And, and those frustrations, turning them into comedic bits you know, I mean, I used to do bits about unemployment like whole time. Like there was like, what happened? I paid in on I paid into unemployment for years, and it took me nine weeks to get my unemployment because I just left my job willingly. <laughs> so it was crazy. It was like the word. I was like, oh my god, I'm doomed. But um, you know, and then I was seeing all my friends who are actors getting theirs before me, and I was like, what in the heck? <laughs> and then you get mad, and then you get frustrated, and it's like, let it out, and then come back you know, then stand up and start over again. Like do it again. You know, that's kind of that mentality you have to have. Has it changed you as, is like, have you gone through your material with a fine tooth comb since then? Like, cause obviously a comic will, will have like a, a younger comic, especially whenever you're starting that you'll write material you'll, you think is funny. Then you grow as a comedian or you grow as a performer. And then eventually you go, Hmm, gotta probably either, Eh, put a couple of tags on this, maybe get rid of this, maybe cut this word, cut a couple of things. Uh, has this, uh, obviously, we all grow as a performer. You don't get, as a comic, you don't really get worse over time. You get a lot better. But right. if you look through your material that you may have written in 2015, and then you have a pandemic, and then you're going back on the road and doing your doing your show, that you're going okay, I could probably cut this out. I could cut this paragraph, maybe this entire bit. And then you've now added things like, how has this last year changed you? Um, it absolutely, first of all, in the revision process, constantly doing that, even from day one, I think recording and listening to sets now with the pandemic, how do you do that with zoom? You know, I did it. I, I try to figure out, I mean, creating more scripts more so during this pandemic I took advantage of being able to have your lines behind the, the screen and <laughs> your jokes, right? But it has forced me to do something. The pandemic gave me this great little structure and discipline of getting up at 5 a.m. to write because I used to follow on Twitter the 5 a.m. Writers Club tag. And I was like, I should get up at 5 a.m. to write. And I started doing it. And I wrote a pilot for my show that I'm we're, we're filming on Saturday. Like I, I just started committing to that so that you know number one stuff could start moving number two moving along the way i wanted it to and just staying committed to it meant you know this is how you're going to get ahead like right you know and then also recording listening to uh some of my old jokes and and what ha what worked what didn't uh, a big thing is getting up early to write that was the number one thing that helped yeah, that was that was the Joe Rogan thing where Rogan has said that he needs to now not everybody's like this and especially performers uh, of saying, look, from seven until nine p.m. I'm going to set that aside. I'm going to pull out a yeah. piece of paper and I'm going to write. And I'm like, that is discipline that you don't. <laughs> none of us have. Like my my bits are usually, I'm at a bar, and I'm with my friends, and I say a line, somebody laughs. I'm like, all right, all right, what? Sheet of paper. Uh, let me get my phone out and write these. Put them in my drafts. I'm like, okay, I think that was funny. And then, of course, the next day I look at it. I'm like, why would I? Why would anybody think that's funny? This isn't funny. <laughs> it's <laughs> well, like, 
it's just incredible the the discipline it takes and especially when you're doing a a one a one man or one woman show because it's yeah. not everything in the, is going to be humorous so you have to put something together where it's not just going to be joke 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 you're you have to build a story arc and then tag it with jokes right right absolutely um I think that the way I structure my show, I try to go through it almost like it is a play, but it's a comedy, right? So when I do my 30 minutes of stand-up, I go through each section of the bits and, and fine-tune them, right? As if, you know, no, there's no room for pause in the laughter. I try to try to work that out where I know my gut will tell me, are you going to laugh at this? If you're unsure, take it out. If you're doing this tonight, like, let's, let's work out material when we're not doing our show on an open mic or in my live streams you know so i absolutely continue to go back to the drawing board and listen to my shows transcribe them whether it's zoom whether it's in person and now now that it's going back to in person i've been i did that on my last two shows that were in person i transcribed both shows which takes a lot of time but it you transcribe them and then you kind of listen to where the laughs are and then you go back and say, okay, what works, what didn't, what was I trying to do? And, you know, it helps. That's the part of, I feel like, the creative process. And also just at moments, like, I've used live streams as my open mics now. It's helpful as a mom on the go. really does. Yeah, it's, it is really helpful. It's kind of that uh, where you, you're getting a live stream and, and people are reacting and they have, uh, whether you're doing it on Facebook or Instagram, and you get a thumbs up and you get laughing faces and you say, Wait, what was that line that they said it was funny? Okay, that I'm gonna do that, and you know, you you just work at it. It's that it's that old, like it's like going to a gym. It's you continue working at that body part to try to build right. it up, and uh, that's it really comedy. Using the cliche, comedy is a muscle. Yeah, it, it's very it very is a muscle, and it you know you have to actively strengthen the like you have to uh, engage that muscle, strengthen it. I box on the side. So like if I miss a week of boxing, I start feeling more tired and it hits me harder. So, you know, it, you have to keep building your craft, or excuse me, you have to keep honing your craft. And for me, my, my day to day, I think for a lot of comedians, if not all of us, our day to day is what impacts what we're kind of, poke you know finding the humor in i like to say poking fun at myself normally when i talk about my dating habits and not being the you know the quote-unquote conventional mom and finding what can connect to your audience you know i think the biggest thing for me with divorce diaries and my own humor is just being real and honest i've been very open about my life and that openness and unfilteredness allows for other people to connect and be like, yeah, I want to watch her because she's just not afraid of like accepting her failures and flaws. Well, it, it get into talking about that. So it, it, the beginning of, or you mentioned about divorce diaries and you were putting it together. I mean, it's, it's, it's autobiographical. You're a divorced uh, woman with, and you have kids. Uh, I mean, and you've seen the humor in it because there's a lot of people who do go through divorce and go through breakups and custody battles, and it's not funny. 
and you're not and you're dealing with but of course it's the kind of tears of a clown where if you're somebody who's a comic and you're a humorous person you're looking for the humor in anything no matter how tragic it could be a death it could be a divorce it could be something and so a lot of people they're like a divorce isn't funny what's funny about this i have to deal with uh, you know yeah. going back and forth and dealing with my kids and sending them to school and my ex-husband's a deadbeat and this and that and it's like but you decided to take it in a different direction talk a little bit about the about the history of that if you don't mind and of how course. you were able to make it humorous as opposed to i guess dwelling on the negatives so i love that you just asked that because i've had a lot of a lot of feedback in the beginning and i i still do get some not as much now but i get i used to get a lot of like what's so funny about divorce and I think that for me personally, the divorce diaries I'm I'm working creating as you know as a show, and then as also a television series down the road is, uh, it's really about the journey of being a a woman who is an eternal optimist and underdog. You know, like I don't know if the word eternal is right, but it's like finding these failures in life and seeing that they're be there's beauty in them, right? Like the diamond in the rough. It's not that I wish divorce on people or that I take pleasure in people's failures in their marriages. No, but there is beauty in that journey. And there's humor in it because the only thing that I would watch when I come home, if I have a stressful day, is The Office, Golden Girls, a Netflix special, Sebastian Maniscalco. Those are reasons because I need to decompress. I need to just have this laughter that I get tired from laughing at. And that's the goal with my story is to make people watch it and like feel that belly laugh where they're like, yeah, I want to tune in again and feel good. You know, it, it's not so much of like, let's start stabbing at ex-husbands and why they're deadbeats. Because I don't think every... Man is a deadbeat. I love men, actually. It, even though, like, sometimes I talk about the men I date and, you know, I joke about ex-husbands, you know, there's humor in it because I'm the one who married that person. I'm the one who sets myself with that person. It's kind of me at the core of it, you know? So the humor is in, in these, like, instances in your life where you kind of scratch your head and say, did that just actually happen? <laughs> and it connects to your family. It connects to your coworkers. And also, you know, relationships you have as a man or a woman, you know, that's where I feel like the humor lies. So whether you're married, single or divorced, this story I present on stage can connect. But I have gotten a lot about, you know, divorce isn't funny. And then when people come to the show, they're like, oh, that's great. That's so funny. That's what my, my, my ex does. Or that's what, you know, that's happened to me with my family. You know, I mean, why do we have to shame people? Or, you know, not outright shame them, but, like, make them feel like they have to sit at a separate table just because they got divorced. When there's, that, you know, thousands of people in relationships just because it's a mediocrity, that's it. We're not doing anything to change it, you know? Especially because divorce nowadays is not a taboo subject anymore. And, I mean, if, if you did divorce diaries on stage at, uh, you know, at the, the like, Catch a Rising Star in 1975 in New York, uh, might be a little bit of a different case. I mean, you think about how far we've come as a culture where around that time there's the episode of Maud where she has an abortion. And 
nowadays it's like, okay, it's still kind of taboo, but it's a little bit more of an accepted uh, topic and it's an accepted thing in, in our society. So you're doing something that a lot of people have dealt with, whether uh, directly or indirectly. And, uh, you know, with kids of divorced parents, you're divorced yourself, uh, parents, you know, whatever the case is. And so you're actually giving something relatable and giving something for people who have gone through this situation going like, okay. And then they kind of look at their own lives and go, okay, maybe I should have, maybe I took things a little too seriously. Maybe I did this. So you're, you're almost offering a possible education uh, along with obviously the humor and, and everything with the one woman show. Yes, absolutely. I, I think that I have started this concept of healing through humor during divorce series and, and promoting these healing through humor workshops. I, I work, I do them at a doctor's office in North Jersey and I promoted them during the pandemic virtually where it's not just divorce. People going through any kind of struggles could take humor and make themselves feel better. Uh, I, I also think that it's funny, I, I did perform at Catch a Rising Star in Princeton, New Jersey a couple years ago, the show. <laughs> and we were, I, when I was first promoting it, even my own divorce attorney was like, I, I can't make it at my son's baseball game. And I was laughing. I was like, oh my God. I say, after everything I went through, you see someone take that and present it on a plate of like motivation, right? So I could, it could be the marriage diaries. You know, my second show could be the marriage diaries. I'm doing it again. You know, like <laughs> it's about the journey and connecting your journey to people from all walks of life that can connect to the honesty and then laugh about it. Right. I mean, comedy is my tool and I think I like to just use it to connect to people and, and help uplift them, you know. Now, my, my big uh, – I, I have a big question for you because I've dealt with this myself. Have you gotten any crap from the ex-husband about anything that was said on stage? No, I haven't. <laughs> um, I, I, I haven't because he knows I do the show. He hasn't come to see it. But um, I don't know how much of it he's watched. And if, if he does give me any kind of crap for it, I, I, I simply will respond with he's known I've been an actor since I met him. And taking real life circumstances and using them to create comedy is what we do. It's what we do. We, we write what we know. It's loosely based off of my life. I mean, I don't really do my ex-husband in the show as much as I do the guys I dated. And that's been tricky. That has been definitely tricky, I will say, because some men want to be in the show. And, like, I have met guys who are like, yeah, put me in the show. And I'm like, all right. I have, material. Or or I have some great material for you. It's like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't need your help. <laughs> well, it's funny because I don't mind that. They'll say that after I'll post a social media clip of something that they said. And they're like, is that me? And I was like, well, you said that to me, didn't you? And I said, it's not you, but you, you gave me great dialogue for that character, you know? And they laugh they're like, I didn't mean it like that. I was like, oh, but that's okay. Because that's just how I'm like, and it's blatant. Like I, I had somebody say to me, uh, a friend of mine, he's like, Michelle, I invited him to come to New Jersey. And he's like, no, I said, oh, and I thought we were having like a nice connection. He lives far away. And I'll say he just lives far away. So I'm going to say, I was like, why don't you come to New Jersey? We can get to know each other more. And he's like, no, I, I don't think so. And I was like, what? Okay. And he's like, Cancun. Now that I, I'll go to Cancun. 
I was like, what? He's like, what's in Jersey? I'm like, I'm in Jersey. <laughs> I am in Jersey. <laughs> so if you look at my Instagram page, I did a clip. I did a sketch about it. And he calls me. He's like, wow, Michelle, I wish you would have given me a heads up. I said, I, I, I didn't. There's nothing to give you a heads up about. I said, I created a bit based on what you literally said to me. And it's funny. And he started laughing. He's like, yeah, it is kind of funny. I, I was like, great. Thanks for the rejection. <laughs> I'm trying to think because I've had uh, – it- I've had some dating stories where I've I've brought them up on stage, and uh, I've gotten a couple where it was because uh, the the previous girl that I dated before I met my wife, uh, she actually frequently goes to the funny stop to the comedy club I perform at, and there's been a couple of now I haven't run into her, but others have mentioned to her saying, uh, oh you know uh, Tony does uh, does a bit of so she actually asked me about that and she said what which one do you do and I said well. Uh, pick one, first of all. And second of all, uh, the one was the, the, and it was a true story because it, my, my ex, we got into a big argument. She was drunk and she pulls a knife on me in in the kitchen. And, uh, and like, I didn't know what to do. And so here's what I do. And it's a true story. And I do this whole bit about like, it's not so much that I fear for my safety, but it's more so how my coworkers who work in news radio are going to cover my demise in the morning. (laughs) And and so I do this whole bit about it. And so she's like, oh, so you, you do that one on stage. You make it seem like I'm a, a, you know, I'm trying to murder you. And I said, well, what do you think was going to happen? She's like, well, if you remember that night, I pulled the knife out because it wasn't going to cut you. I was going to try and cut myself. And I said, right. see, you're just giving me more material right now to use. <laughs> and then she thought that I was mean, funny. So I've used it. it. But it's weird because now I've been with my now wife for four and a half years. So those stories end up being like old wives' tales from way back in the day. Like, here, Grandpa, uh, t- tell us about uh, your dating history from decades ago. Well, children, let me have a have a seat on my knee and we'll, we'll talk about this. So it, it's kind of like losing the luster. So now I have to come up and pivot in a different direction of because that's the one thing in comedy is you want to pull from your personal experience. But if your experience has actually been pretty 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 nice and pretty wonderful, you kind of have to embellish a little bit and have to exaggerate in some some way, shape or form just to make sure that the bit's going to go over. Oh, exactly. I think you have to hit the right, like the you know, you have to write the joke out so that it hits. You know, not every single thing that comes out of somebody's mouth is going to be a perfect joke. But I, I have had, like you said, I've had these situations where you kind of like, did that just actually happen? Um, it's kind of like taking, you know, just taking these snippets of reality, real reality, right? Not like something that's set up reality TV that's real and putting it on the page and putting it on stage. And like with Divorce Diaries, um, you know, if they come, if you come down to see it in Cuyahoga Falls at Funny Stop, you'll see a piece of that. And then you'll also get a piece like we're, we're doing this pilot where it's a mockumentary, but unlike any mockumentary that's been done, it's like, I'm doing it all on my own in the script, right? So everything that's happened is so real that people are like, oh, she, oh, these people are, do they, you know, do they know they're being filmed? Do they not know they're being filmed? Oh, she's looking at the camera. She does. And they're just pieces of what's happened in my life, kind of opening up to see these characters. That's that's similar to everyone we interact with on a day to day, you know? Yeah, that's true. And uh, well, and, and I got to ask, because when you're talking about meeting people, 
Because when you start talking about uh, getting this together in about 2015, what at what time, if you don't mind me asking, what like what year was the, you were going through the divorce, or at least the process of the divorce? So I was going through my divorce from 2014 to 2015. Okay, so it's, it's, it's been six years since I've been officially divorced. It was finalized April uh, 21st, 2015. So, and the reason I ask that is, we're talking about new forms of dating at that time because. When I was, so I'm, I'm 33, so when I was younger and getting out of high school and college, we didn't have dating apps. And if you wanted to meet somebody, it was still the old-fashioned way of going to a bar, meeting someone at church, at, at a restaurant, at the grocery store. And there was also this thing called Match.com. And it was yep. it still had that stigma at the time where it's like only losers go on Match. What, you can't find a girl on your own? What's the matter with you? And so there was Match, there was Plenty of Fish, and a couple of the uh, other uh, paid dating sites. But by that time when you started going through your process of a divorce, which was right around the time I, I was with a girl that I thought was going to be the one. And then my then roommate that I had moved in with, he told me about this app called Tinder. And I'm like, what is Tinder? And then realized it's just basically window shopping. And it completely changed dating <laughs> probably forever because it's now meeting a, a girl or a guy at a bar is creepy, but meeting somebody online is now just the norm. Yeah, I know. I mean, I struggle with that because I don't ever use apps. And I, I think that's probably a, a major part of why I don't date right now. Apps are like, like, just like, it's like saying like, I can't use social media for work. It's all I use for work because it helps me get my brand out there. It's been the biggest thing that has helped me get my brand out there. So I'm doing myself probably a disservice to not use dating apps. However, I, it takes up a lot of time and it, it's, takes up so much time where it's like i rather not mm -hmm. even though i want love I, I just my career right now is very important to me and how i get you know my content and my creation out there and and shift into this this uh back to acting full time you know so it's it's yeah i mean i think that's what it is it, it, there's nothing wrong with it we, we were shamed about it years ago because it was this avant-garde thing to meet someone uh, without actually meeting them. But remember back in the day um, when someone would place a wanted ad for a person or what was it? Not a wanted ad. A personal uh, ads? A personal ad. My best, <laughs> one of my good friend's mother met her husband that way. She responded, Her she was divorced, met her second husband now. They've been together for so many years. That's how they met. I think that it's just, how it works like this guy that i'm talking to right now uh, he's a friend but who i was just talking about like i really connect with him we've never met in person we met through instagram because of the divorce world like he asked me a business inquiry right you know and that's how it started and we connected we did something together virtually and and now i'm like i'm kind of really in deep feelings for him and i've never met him yeah and <laughs> just based off of the connection through the phone and zoom <laughs> it, it really is like linkedin now because yeah the the stigma of tinder in like say 2014 2015 was oh that's a hookup app and all the girls on there are saying i'm not here for hookups and then after the first date the girl's like oh you know i don't usually do this i'm like yeah i could tell you said so in your bio <laughs> 
<laughs> and yeah. but then it ended up being like a, a LinkedIn profile to the point where it's it's not almost it's like your first date is not necessarily getting to know each other. You already kind of got to know each other uh, from interactions and from their their photos and everything. You, it's now like instead of so what do you do for a living? It's so I see you do this for a living. Right. It's that and it's also like you know you can connect your worlds together because of social media too. <laughs> Yeah. Which can be, can be a good or a bad thing. Like, you know, I think sometimes it plays a part in us being suspicious of what they're doing and like who they're liking more. It becomes a little crazy. I'm not going to lie. I think, I think that's another battle you have to deal with when it comes to dating is like people getting butt hurt over things. You know, especially with me, I post everything and some men don't like that. Yeah, and it, well, and it starts also... Well, yeah, because you're very active on Instagram, I noticed, and it's... Very, on all of them, yeah. And, and a lot of people, yeah, because some people go, oh, that's a lot of oversharing and everything, but sometimes it's a good balance where if you have that type A personality and you're going for a guy who's fine with a type A because they're also, they're not a type A, so it's not a culture clash all the time, so... It's putting yourself out because there's a lot of people put themselves out there. A lot of people are very private and it's just a matter of finding the right person that you can do that with. And that's where a lot of the online dating has kind of helped now where, again, Tinder used to be for hookups and Bumble was the girls app. And then you have Grindr for gay people and all these other hinge. Since I've been out of the dating world, there's been probably so many of these apps that have popped up. But what was great was. So I met my wife on Tinder, but I didn't meet her on Tinder. I, I had met her several years earlier, and we had become really? Facebook friends. Yeah. So the funny thing was we met at a uh, it was a football tailgate, and I had uh, mutual friends with her. And so uh, her friend Nicole I had known, and she's like, hi, Tony. This is my friend Leah. And I'm like, hi. And I was in a relationship. She was dating someone, too. And it was like, oh, hi. I'm, I'm not cheating. I'm not cheating. I swear to God, I'm not cheating. And I'm just saying <laughs> hi to a girl. It's, it's, is it okay? Is it okay? Just want to make sure. And then um, a couple of years later, I, I ended up, uh, uh, because we did have so many mutual friends, and Facebook has that uh, spot on there. It says people you may know. And I was drunk one night and I had accidentally clicked her as ad friend. So by the next morning it says you're now friends with her. And I'm like, Oh, I don't remember doing that, but okay. And then eventually when, <clears throat> when, uh, we were both single at the same time and we were on one of the apps, we found each other on there and she's like, uh oh, I don't think he's single. Is he is he cheating on his girlfriend with me? And looked at that that it was kind of like that LinkedIn profile where I got to check his resume. Let's see where's his uh, previous residence, uh, his <laughs> his previous yeah. employers. What are his likes and dislikes and interests? Then goes on my Facebook and doesn't see the girl that I was dating at the time, the one with the knife, and says, "Oh, that okay." Is hysterical. Oh, so my God. Okay. it like it, it worked. So there are good things and bad things with this and. Uh, so I'm assuming with divorce diaries that you're you're uh, talking about this. I guess the the trials and tribulations of dating now here in the 21st century. Yeah, absolutely. I talk about ma majority of the time that I'm telling my dating experience, it's talking about my specific six years of dating after divorce and how I connect it kind of back to my past of dating unavailable men my storyline and then i always like to bring up the fact that a lot of the stuff that happens to me is like again irony 
Like I, I've had men say to me, stop talking about yourself. And I'm on the phone with them for three hours, listening to them talk about their job. And then I'll, men, you know, you know, and then you start thinking, well, whose side is really telling this truth? Like, is it me? Is it him? So I, I like to bring light to that. The dating part for me and talking about it through comedy has been the most therapeutic. Yeah, it, like, it, I just, yeah, it, it's it's truly incredible uh, because <laughs> I, I'm, ju I'm just thinking back to when I was when I was single, how I would start using some of the dating life of I'm going to do this just for a bit. Like, if, yeah, because I, I one of the stories I, re I remember, I'm st I kind of use it in my act, uh, but I, I don't all the time. It's usually whenever I'm like, ah, do I I'm gonna try something new tonight? And it was a story where. I matched on Tinder with a girl who, uh, okay, and she had what we used to call back 15 years ago the MySpace voodoo, where you would take the really good overhead photo, and then it's not necessarily representative of the person that you were meeting. <laughs> and right. uh, so, but because it's in your area, and it was like within 20 miles or something, and she said, yeah, let's meet up. Yeah, you should come over to my place. And I'm like, okay, well, it should be interesting. So I'm driving <laughs> out into the basically the middle of nowhere, and the street where she's at is a gravel road into a trailer park. And I'm thinking to myself, and I looked in my rearview mirror, and I looked in my side mirrors, I looked ahead, and no one was in either direction. I'm like, I could do two things right now. I could just keep driving and just block her and unmatch with her on this and go home and go, okay, well, I could have dodged a bullet there. Or do I do this for comedy material? So I thought, I looked in the rearview mirror, car was starting to come, I'm like, let's do it. So I pulled in. And uh, this was a girl that <clears throat> she was obsessed with. The she's in a trailer park. Her mom was passed out on the couch. Uh, she was obsessed with the Little Mermaid to the point where she wanted me to call her Ariel. This hundred percent true story. Dyed her hair red. She had posted. And by the way, not a child either. This is a woman in her mid twenties. Posters, oh, okay. a, a life size flounder plush toy, and. Uh, it was just this whole crazy situation, and she was just trying. And I'm like, ah, I, I, I gotta look to start getting out of here. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do anything salacious. I'm not gonna do anything unsavory that I might not want. And she starts trying to really come on to me, and she starts about to take off my belt when her drug dealer walks into the door. But I don't know it's her drug dealer. It could be her boyfriend going, hey, what the, you know, what's going on? Here? And I'm like, I yeah. didn't know what was happening. I think I'm going to leave right now. And, oh, I'm sorry that that happened. Uh, you know, we should do this again. I'm like, yeah, no, maybe we shouldn't. And that's when I thought at the end, I'm like, I could probably turn this into a bit right now just for the life experience. Right? I, I, I'm, wow, I can't get over her truck to the walks in. I think that's hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that you have to take these experiences and – make light of it because you know i've had i've had moments where i was in relationships with men who lied about their marriages and divorces and i've had men just string me along and i've had myself get into relationships that i should have never gone into and it's the same dialogue and pattern and i just i get stuck in it you know and it's like but but it does make for good material. So you, you kind of have to weigh those two. Like my friend said, I think you should just be alone right now, but it's hard because you're, you know, it's hard for you not to build relationships with people, with men specifically, because your show's about relationships. Yeah. It's your nature. <laughs>
And I love love. I'm hungry for love. And, and I've been like, when people say like, oh, you're looking for love. I'm like, I've been looking for love since kindergarten registration. What you mean? Like I am ready for it, but not the kind of love that changes me. Like I had a marriage where I, in a relationship with my ex-husband where not, it's not his fault. It's my own fault for changing who I was and suppressing that part of me. And I don't want that to happen again. And I tend to do those kinds of things. I, I tend to change who I am for the other person. Yeah, that's always that's never good. You have to, and you kind of look at that where yes, at the beginning of a relationship, you want to be on good terms. You want to be professional. You want, but you also have to showcase who you are as well. So I, I tell bad jokes. So I had to make sure when I was dating my my now wife that. I was going to show her a glimpse of who I actually am without it going like, oh, God, you're a much different person than we were when we started dating. That, I, and, and I'm glad she did the same thing. So when I go home today, she's the same girl that I met that one night. It's just I know a lot more about her and her family, and she knows certainly a lot more about me and whatever is going on in my brain. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's the that's the beauty in all this is like accepting who we are and finding ways to laugh about it and we crying is good too but like laughter really heals and it really uplifts it it, it builds endorphins there's there's actual uh evidence that connects laughing to you know your physiology that makes you feel good inside so I use it with kids when I help kids with special needs or my own child who's struggling with certain things emotionally. It gets them out of a funk. If you can find a way to poke fun at something or bring out humor in a situation, it's it's really changes your outlook on the day, even in the outlook in the hour. <laughs> and it could help others because, you know, we, we've talked about that. We talked about it earlier about how even the most tragic situations can uh, that you can find humor in it. But not everybody can. And it's hard to tell people that where if like if, if your grandmother passes away and I, I was I, so I was make up make this joke when I think about the anniversary when my grandma passed is it was the same day that Barack Obama was inaugurated again for a second term. And my dad and I made a joke. And we said, well, it's because grandma just didn't want to see any more Obama. She was tired of him. <laughs> and so you make those jokes because it helps you cope. But not everybody has that capability. They'll say, oh, you're insensitive. I can't. How, how dare you make light of somebody who, who dies? And, and how dare you make light of a divorce and uh, the trauma that kids have to deal with? But in, in your profession, you almost have to kind of put that out of your mind by saying, look, this is how I cope and you cope differently. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to compromise who I am because of how I'm able to deal with the situation and deal with those trials and tribulations. And I think that I think that the divorce and, and, and how people relate to depression and um, any kind of situation that has to deal with transition, that's hard that there is some truth to the fact that they're just not ready to laugh. I get that. But I think that if we make people feel good about situations that are in their face that remind them of their own failures or flaws, then it brings about a, a different feeling. Like I, 
tend to compare myself. We all compare ourselves to the competition, right? But there's room for all of us. So if we take the humor in that, right, and we poke fun at these different situations, then the conversation becomes, I feel uplifted and motivated to create more and self-express who I am. Someone kept saying this to me lately, Michelle, you know how to self-express. I'm like, well, so does everybody else. They're like, no, not everybody can express themselves. Self-expression, have this ability to put themselves out there and create based on their own talents because everyone has a unique talent. We're taught that in preschool. I, I was, I used to teach preschool theater and and movement and, ex and explain to them how they're each different and that's what makes them special. But as we become adults, we get trained in our brain and, and we also just outside circumstances affect how we feel about ourselves because we don't feel good enough. And, you know, maybe not everybody, but we all go through those moments, we feel that. So it's like, well, why don't we find a way to make ourselves better, make ourselves feel good by tapping into what, who we are and self-expressing to other people who we are and why we're great in, in a compassionate way. Yeah, that's true. It's, and I'm looking forward to seeing you when you come over here to the funny stop. And, uh, yeah. uh, and then we, you're, you're in Vegas, you're out in L.A. Uh, a little bit, and you're uh, yep. touring and everything. Uh, the show's called Divorce Diaries, Michelle Trana. And uh, the, the last thing i got to ask you, it's the big question I've been thinking about through this whole interview, is uh, are you ever going to get married again? And, and if so, uh -huh. does that change it? Are you going to have the marriage diaries or, you know, marriage monologues or what? <laughs> like, is, is that something you're going to do? And if so, uh -huh. is that going to, is that going to change the show? 110% I will get married again. If the right man comes along and proposes, I won't push it, but if he wants to marry me, sure. I never would say never about that marriage. I used to say it never again. If there was a 0 0.001 chance, I'd get divorced again. But I think that the majority of my divorce issues were with, you know, with custody. So I think that if I met the right man, I'm down to get married again. I would never take divorce diaries out of the picture because the journey is about finding love again. That's the heart of my show is finding love and career success and hundred and ten percent. I'll do the marriage diaries. I'll do the marriage monologues. Let's sign a deal. <laughs> that, that sounds great. Because seriously, how many how many male comics I know? Some female, but mostly male comics that I've known that. I, I think that if they found the like the right woman or at least a stable girlfriend, that they will be stable. But they're afraid that if they do that, it's going to mess with their comedy. It's going to mess with their humor. So they get into a relationship. They say they're happy and they completely sabotage it. And they're like, but, but then it gives them more material. So I'm like, so what's more important? Is it being happy or is it? the material and apparently for some of my friends it's it's the material <laughs> well i'll tell you i'll tell you one thing that i personally believe is that if they are getting into relationship for those reasons and that's why it's not working but if they self-sabotage i think it becomes more of something that they're dealing with or they haven't dealt with i do believe that you have to be stable in order to make a relationship work so if you're if you're like the man I'm going to be with and the man that's going to be with me, I'm going to have none of the patterns anymore. Like I'm going to have to have work through a few things that I have. Like I'm not patient. I get very hot tempered. I'm very, you know, intense at times, which is things that are not going to change about me, but I will learn how to navigate relationships better with those 
with those characteristics because you have to. Like, I, I have to accept that I'm not going to change who I am, my genetics, and who the other person is. But if I can navigate with this other person and we're we're friends and we're lovers and there's this amazing intimacy, I would never want to self-sabotage that because it's what I've been looking for my whole life. It's what my parents had. With other comics, I don't know. I think everyone deals with their own with anybody everyone deals with their childhood and their relationships and into their adulthood and, and they connect it to and they got to work through stuff but um you know i think that personally being okay with yourself alone is is what you have to work on first and i hate saying that because i know so it sounds so cliche and i'm so like physically needy right now <laughs> 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 that like i'm like Ugh. but it's the truth you know and there's there's beauty in being alone too well, good luck on the tour and good luck on uh, the pilot that you're filming. And where can we find you on social media? So you can find me at Divorce Diaries Show on Instagram, Divorce Diaries on Facebook, Divorce Diaries on TikTok, LinkedIn, Michelle Trainer. I got MichelleTrainer.com, DivorceDiariesShow.com. Either one takes you to tickets, to links, to all my social. Um, I You name the platform, I'm on it literally everything. Um, and if you don't see me, let me know. I want to know and I'll get on that platform. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, Michelle, thanks for being on here and looking forward to meeting you when you come to town. And uh, and seriously, again, good luck with all the shows. Uh, best of luck and uh, and stay safe when you head out, uh, head out on the road. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Tony. Absolutely.